So we have, with a few diversions here and there, been in Paul's letters to Timothy for the past few weeks. And thus far in our Sunday talks, we've discussed fighting the good fight of the faith and those things that we are to pursue as we go forward in our faith, things like righteousness and, and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. And we've discussed the authority that all of us as believers in Jesus Christ, as ministers of the faith, have been given authority over not just the natural world in which we live and move and have our being, but also over the supernatural world. We have authority that has been given to us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit over the spirits that rule and reign over rulers and kings and kingdoms. And we've talked a little bit about this power and authority that we have. Authority to proclaim the good news of the gospel. The authority to be apostles in the world, bringing the news to those souls out there who have not yet been reached. The authority to be teachers. Not just teachers, but teachers who are mandated by Jesus Christ himself to teach all that he commanded us. And not just right here in our own church, but in our community and to every tribe and every nation that we come into contact with. And we do that through remarkable technology like our live stream, our uh, podcast. We reach out all over the globe with the authority we have been given to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, it doesn't matter if your home base is in a small town like Slendora or our sister church up in Shepherd. It doesn't matter how big the church is because the grandeur of Christ surpasses all of that. And all we have to do is be faithful to proclaim the magnificence of Christ into the world. And it will spread out from this one tiny church building like ripples in a pond, it will go on and on and on touching people for Christ. And so we have talked about how we've been given this, this power, this means to accomplish all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And through that power, we have not been given the spirit of timidity. We have not been given the spirit of cowardice. But rather, in Timothy, Paul writes, we've been given the spirit of power and love and discipline. And we've talked about the Holy Spirit moving in bringing the revival that we're witnessing today into the world and into the church. So we've covered a lot of ground these past few weeks. You didn't know we talked about all that, did you? And today I want to talk about that same authority that we've been discussing as it exists in the Word of God, the Bible. And I want to talk about the assurances that we have from Jesus Christ himself, the promises that he has given us 
as ministers of the faith, promises that our faith in Jesus Christ carries with it as we go forward in our mission and our ministry. And then lastly, when I come to the end of this message, I want to discuss some words of wisdom as to how we are to represent God as ministers of the faith moving in the world. So let's begin with a passage from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Hear what the Word of God might reveal to you through this passage. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the Word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they may also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. This statement is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so remind them of these things and solemnly exhort them in the presence of God not to dispute about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the listeners, but be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So Paul tells Timothy, and by extension us, he tells us to remember Jesus in our, in our walk of faith, as we fight the good fight, as we act as ministers of the faith in the world, we must never lose sight of why we are doing it. We must never lose sight of for whom we are doing it. See, Paul tells us to remember Jesus as the reason for all of it. Jesus told us that we would suffer hardship and persecution for his sake. And as we travel in this world, as we journey through this life, we find the struggle to be real. I mean, you haven't lived unless you have struggled. And that struggle takes many forms. It's not the same for each of us. Most times the struggle is with things that are unseen rather than things that are seen. We, we're doing battle against powers and principalities, against rulers of darkness, and they love to prey on those whose hearts are not full of Jesus already. They love to offer up distractions and deceptions to keep us from advancing in our mission that God has ordained us, purposed us to do. Now, I have to tell you, I have to be totally transparent here. Some days I find the only way that I can get through the day is to pause and remember why I do what I do. 
Sometimes the struggle is just enduring the pain and the suffering of people who come into our experience. See, being a minister of faith in the world, and we are all ministers of faith, I'm not talking just about clergy. I'm not talking about pastors. I'm talking about ministers of the faith, Christians. Sometimes the struggle is just enduring the pain and suffering of people who come into your experience. Being a minister of the faith in the world, being a follower of Jesus Christ comes with it this responsibility of getting into the lives, the fallen and broken lives of those who need healing. Painful and rough and dirty as that can be sometimes. This ministry is not easy. I mean, the Word of God is not messy, but people, hurting people can be messy. Hurting people can be difficult to be around. Hurting people can sometimes take their hurt and pain and project it onto the ones who are there to try to help. Have you ever found that to be true as you minister to some people? They're just really hard to minister to. Hurting people can drag you into their pain. Misery loves company. Hurting people can be hard to minister to because they often remind us of our own failings and shortcomings. They remind us all that we are, most of us anyway, just one missed. Just one emotional breakdown, just one missed paycheck, just one bad decision away from being hurting people ourselves. But for our saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not all that removed, in other words, as Christians sitting in this sanctuary from those that we minister to who never darkened the door. We're not all that different. We have one thing. But the one thing is sufficient. We have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so through all of the days of struggle, as in all the days before, I remember Jesus. I remember my Lord and my Savior for whom I suffer. Because you see, the brokenness that's out there in the world that we minister to can be overwhelming if we're not firmly grounded in Christ. If we're not tuned in to His strength and His authority. If, if we fail to be grounded in Christ and in His word and authority, then we can be imprisoned or at least feel like it. Chained down by the weight of the afflictions that surround us. They can be oppressive. The spirit of oppression is Satan trying to keep us held down, pinned down in place so that we can't go out and spread the gospel. See, Paul tells us that Jesus is the word. Paul tells us that the word of God is not, cannot be changed. Through Christ, we have these promises from God and his promises are always sure. That's why he says in this passage that the statement is trustworthy. 
That if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If you have Christ in you, whether you be alive or whether you be dead, you are alive in Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Christ, He will deny us. If we are faithless, however, Christ will remain faithful because He can't deny who He is. He can't deny Himself. So even though sometimes we're not worthy through our actions, through our thoughts, through our backsliding, even when we have a relationship with Christ, we can have missteps as Christians. Even when we Show ourselves to be weak in our faith. He is always strong and faithful for us. And so Paul tells us to die with Christ is to die to self. To die to self is to live with Christ. And to live for Christ. And so as we pursue the faith, we pursue endurance. And if we endure, we have the promise that we will have dominion over the struggles and over everything that causes those struggles in both the natural world and the supernatural. October means many things in the secular world. The season. One of the things that's coming up upon us is, is the season of Halloween. Now, Halloween is interesting because most of the time, holidays as we know them are the churches reclaiming what used to be pagan holidays. The Yuletide season has been reclaimed for centuries by the church. Christmas, celebrating the birth of Christ. All Hallows Eve, on the other hand, was a Christian holiday that was claimed by the pagans. You see the difference. All Hallows' Eve is merely the evening before All Saints' Day. All Saints' Day, the day after All Hallows' Eve, is a celebration of those who have gone before, those who have died in Christ and now are with Christ, and we celebrate them. And so how you celebrate All Hallows' Eve makes all the difference in your Christian experience. If you celebrate it as the evening of celebration before All Saints Day, then it's a Christian holiday. If, however, you celebrate it in the pagan tradition, celebrating things of the occult, celebrating things that are not of God, 
Well, that's when you have a problem. Be careful for your grandchildren and for yourself. How you celebrate All Hallows Eve. Because the foothold that the devil will use if you celebrate it in the pagan sense can be very real and very damaging. When I was a kid, we celebrated Halloween. We went trick-or-treating. We dressed as ghouls and goblins and witches and mummies and we did all the stuff. And I have to say, we had fun. But I will say to you, in the spirit of transparency, and although I didn't even realize it then, and I'm sure my parents didn't, that opened a supernatural door for me and my experience for the rest of my life until I was saved. A supernatural door that brought into my experience things that were not of God. Now I can stand here and say that to you now having been freed from all of that. And so my my warning is don't allow that stuff into your household. Keep your celebration of Halloween reminiscent of the saints that have gone before. Celebrate, but celebrate with a godly experience, not an ungodly. It may seem harmless, but it's not. I can tell you that from personal experience. I don't say that lightly because I know that that there's a strong secular influence around Halloween. People decorate. They don't decorate as as though they're celebrating the saints in the light. They, They celebrate as though they're celebrating the darkness. I don't often speak about Halloween. But it's come to my attention recently that Satan is hard at work looking for cracks in the armor. And he will come in through your children if you let him. Take it for whatever it's worth. Paul reminds us that if we deny Christ, There is a consequence. And he will deny us. But he also reminds us that even in those times where we cannot find our faith, even in those times where we slip into doubt and fear and unbelief, Jesus is always faithful. It's his character. It's his nature. And he cannot deny himself. He can't deny who he is. And so the last thing that Paul reminds us of in this passage is how we're to exercise the authority that we've been given as ministers of the faith. 
He says, remind them, the, the people in the church, remind them of these things and solemnly exhort them in the presence of God not to dispute about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the listeners. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. You see, real world examples are out there every day. You see them in the media, the, the mudslinging, the world, word wrangling, bending the truth, the political spin, which only serves to alienate the listener. It dilutes the message. It distracts from the real issues. It's the same way with the gospel message. When we manipulate and cherry pick the word of God to fit our own agenda, when we proclaim the gospel in self-righteousness rather than God's righteousness, when we preach the word and then we act the fool, failing to live out in our daily walk the very thing that we've been preaching, the most difficult thing. I've said this before. I'll say it many times, I'm sure. The most difficult thing for the unbelieving world to get past is a professing Christian who says one thing with their mouth and then does the opposite with their actions and in their lifestyle. Hypocrisy turns people away from the gospel more than anything else in the world. And so Paul reminds us that we're to present ourselves worthy as, as one who is approved by God, a, a worker, a minister who can stand upright and not be ashamed because the redeeming power and the love of our Savior Jesus has made us righteous. And because we love Him in return, a love for Him that's made possible in that righteousness because He loved us first, that love causes us to respond righteously. Explaining the word of truth, showing the love of God in our actions as well as with our words. That's who we want to be as the church. People who walk the talk. Because this is our faith. This is our fight, our good fight. And so. This week, be encouraged to step out into the world with, with the tools that you've been given in the Word of God. Because the Word of God, as Paul says, is not chained. The Word of God is freedom. And so go spread the Word. Spread it to anyone who has ears to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So our final hymn this morning, I worship you, Almighty God. Let's go ahead and sample this if you can.